bam, we're live. Hey, Corey, don't rush. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. It's my show. We do well, whatever in the fuck I want. Hey, that's a, uh, I'm your camera. Your, uh, your camera might be worse than mine. Your picture quality might be worse than mine. I like that. Uh-oh. It's, it's perfectly okay. It makes me look good. <laughs> Corey Allen, owner of Batcave CrossFit. God, it's good to hear that that place is still in existence. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Not a lot of gyms can, can say that. I, I, I heard some crazy stat that more than 30% of all restaurants in the state of California have permanently shuttered their doors in the last two years. I mean, that's my, those numbers are mind-boggling to me. Yeah, that is, that is crazy. It's like when they tell you a blue whale, its tongue weighs uh, <clears throat> two tons or wh whatever. Or, or, or the female blue whale, uh, its vagina is large enough to park a van in. Or, you know, like you hear some of these, like, you're like, what? Wait, what? But, yep, that's the blue whale for you. And, the, and, 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 as, remarkable, and as remarkable as that is uh, gyms that are able to stay open. Um, you are open, right? I mean, you're wearing the shirt. My wife said she, she talked to you the other day and you're still open. Yes, sir. Uh, how many, how long have you had your gym? Uh, it's been three years, a little over three years now. At least. Uh, really? Just, yeah. yeah. Oh man. For some, for some reason I thought it was longer than that. Holy cow. So you basically opened your gym, had your first uh, year and then bam. And then bam. Punched in the face, right? Yeah, that's incredible. If you if you guys don't know about mine and uh, Corey's relationship, how we first met, uh, you should go back and find the episode on the CrossFit podcast. You will 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 not be disappointed. Uh, Corey's story is remarkable, and uh, and it's just a testament to hard work, perseverance, and, and believing in yourself. Opportunities from great people. So, right. Right, right. Um, how? How? So tell me. So tell me. Where is your gym? What? What city? What state? York, Pennsylvania. And your gym and your CrossFit gym's been going three years, and you're still affiliated. Yes, sir. And how many members are have you are hanging on through this whole thing? We're a little over fifty, and I have a few on ramps. So hopefully, once they graduate. Uh, Increase. We've been holding steady for the last few months, and, we uh, were and when you, nineteen members at one point. So, oh shit. Okay, so that so that's a that's good news. So base yeah. and, and where were you at before um, this whole I, I don't know this so called pandemic hit? Uh, membership wise, yeah, we were hovering like right around that sixty member mark. Okay, so you're almost back up to that. Yeah, um, but we have we've changed some rates, so even with the shortages uh we're 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 doing a little bit better financially than we were before what what's the instagram account of your gym uh it is crossfit batcave at crossfit batcave yes sir so can you kind of give me um your version of what happened of 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 how your city notifies you like like Basically, what I'm asking for is, is the story of what happened when they start telling you, "Hey, you need to close your business." When when the government starts telling you you need to close your business, how, how did that how did that come across your plate? Well, here in Pennsylvania, an order an order came down from our uh, 
very beautiful governor, <laughs> uh, that um, all non-essential businesses had to close. And of course, gyms were like at the top of the non-essential list for some reason. Um, yeah, so uh, we got that information. And uh, in- initially, probably like most businesses, uh, we wanted to do what was right because we had no information. Um, so yeah, we shut down and then they switched to like a color scheme for which businesses could open based on like, um, if the state is in a yellow a red or a green red, meaning no one can open except like McDonald's and Walmart and, you know, some of the other bigger companies and essential like hospitals, of course. And then yellow, they started to open up the doors to some other things like hair salons and stuff like that. And then the gyms, we had to wait till last. We had to wait green. Who do you, do we know who decides that? Who says that Baskin Robbins is essential and CrossFit Bat Cave is not essential? Do we know who, who makes that decision? It's above my pay grade, and I'm still not entirely sure that anyone knows. I know the governor works with maybe the attorney general or someone on their committee. I have no idea, Sevi. Um, who makes it these see- It <laughs> seems like it's... It, it is crazy. It seems like it's a worldwide like um, assessment. Like it's the same story in every country, every state, every city that gyms fall below Baskin Robbins. And the reason why I use Baskin Robbins is because I would drive by Baskin Robbins, you know, every day, and it never closed. Yeah. And from from what I know and everything that I've been told about this supposed pandemic, the only people who are at risk are the people who are chronically. Or, or obsessed or addicted to Baskin Robbins. And when I say Baskin Robbins, I mean not necessarily their specific food, but their, their quality of food, the food that makes up what's in ice cream. Yeah. So, so it's, it's nuts. It's, it's, um, it's, it's nuts to me. It, it's like, it's like if there was a giant fire and instead of, um, closing down all the shops that sell, fireworks you close down all the shops that sell fire extinguishers and yes. and, and you and you leave the fireworks stores open it's just bizarre not a great metaphor i know not one of my best it's only 7 a.m here i apologize actually it's, it's fitting um so so you come out of this did you ever consider that you were going to lose your business yes and, and what's that look like like uh you, your landlord's asking for rent your electricity bill comes in can you it kind of paint that picture to me like as it is what, what the stress feels like, where it comes from? Uh, well, it everything I've worked for, everything I've been focused on for the last six years of my life since, you know, obviously, you know, and those that know my story, since getting out of prison, the one thing that has kept me going and focused was my dream to, you know, open up a gym. And everything that I've sacrificed the time, the energy, financially, relationships with family, even my children to some degree, um, everything that I've been pushing and striving for, and all the people um, that I've been able to network with and help, um, to have to you know, think about the possibility that that comes to an end, then I'm stuck with, what the hell do I do now? Um, uh, and, and but what would cause you to what what specifically would cause you to go un, under? How many kids do you have, by the way? Seven. Yeah, and and your youngest? Five. 
five. So is it like um, you're li- do you see it, it, I'm, I'm picturing it like this. When I lost my job at CrossFit, you right away look at your savings account and then you see and then you look at your basically your mortgage, your monthly nut. And you're like, OK, how much runway do I have? If my mortgage is three dollars a month and I have thirty dollars in the bank, then I know I have 10 months of runway. Is that how you see it? Is, is that how you think of it, too? You're like, yeah. oh, shit. Um, they shut down my gym. I lost 30 members and I only have $8 in the bank and my rent here is $2. That means I only have four months of runway. Is that how you, and then, and then, then what the fuck am I going to do? Is that how you start thinking? Yeah. But in my scenario, I had no runway. Um, right. At that point, my business was, we were just getting through our first year. So, so all my eggs, so based- basket, you know what I mean? So, so literally, you're, you're, you're month to month. People pay their memberships. You see that money land in your bank, and you buy toilet paper, pay your landlord, and yeah, and and, and try. Okay, and and how, so so what happens? How how did you how did you stay open? What, who helped you, or or who? So there was a, and uh, you know, I don't like politics and stuff, but there was a local organization here called Reopen York, uh-huh. uh, very conservative organization, which was. A little bit awkward for me at first, um, but they were trying to convince businesses to, um, I shouldn't say defy the governor's orders, but to find a way around it. So, to okay. Speak. Uh, okay, some local politicians and groups, people in the community wanted to help uh, small businesses keep afloat um, because we went from, and I don't, I don't know how things went out out west, but. Here we went from, hey, it's only going to be a week to maybe another week to maybe two weeks to like indefinite. To we have no- so then you're you're sitting there and you're not making any money and bills are still due. You're you know for me, my kids still need things that doesn't stop. Um, you know and and I I had to do something, so I got aligned with this group through some friends on social media. Um, and like I said, it was a little awkward at first because politically, you know, I, I'm, I tend to be in the middle. I don't get in the middle of all that nonsense. Um, yeah, but I, after meeting with some of those and gentlemen and even other entrepreneurs who had like chosen to stay regardless, um, I, I felt, I'm not, I feel like they gave me resources to help me choose to, you know, to open up at limited capacity. But I would only do at the time I was doing one on one only. So and then for any of my members, they could follow programming online. But then I would make times for people to come in. If it obviously was like a married couple or a family, they could all come in together. But, you know, try to keep everything separate because we didn't know if are they going to come kicking in the door and arrest everybody? Like we had no idea what the consequences were and here. They were trying to sue some businesses for staying open. Um, and crazy, I'm, crazy. Yeah. 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 So the government uh, is just people, you guys, that, that's, that's something we always need to remember. There really is, there's a Taoist saying, there are no demons here. You have to realize that at the end of the day, it's just people. So when we refer to the government, those are our brothers and sisters. Those are our brothers and sisters which makes me think of Ricky Garrard, all the people who are being mean to him. What if that was your son? What if your son took steroids? Why are you talking shit about someone on the internet like that? Stop doing that. That's someone's son. 
Anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so you you there's a conservative organization, and 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 when you say you had to align with them, what did you have to do? You had to say the Pledge of Allegiance. You had to vote for Donald Trump. You had to put up an American flag in your gym. (laughs) They made you grab your ankles. Like I made you grab your ankles. No, but I just started to network with people whose political interests weren't necessarily things that I agreed with. And right. uh, I did some speaking um, to like they would meet um, and I would you know, like share my story and what I was going through. I connected with other entrepreneurs and tried to see if there were, were ways that we could help each other out like quid, quid pro quo. Uh, and even they were they helped. Uh, I think some of the business owners that were getting sued at the, the government lost all those suits, by the way. But they helped uh, get get attorney and resources for people that needed you know, some help with, you know, with legal resources and and such. So, yeah, I became um, partners, I guess, with some of these people. Um, Did they ask for anything in return? No, man, Uh, only to, you know, when they had their meetings, if if I could please share my story. And if I knew any other entrepreneurs that were struggling and maybe needed some help, could uh, would I be willing to, you know, to tell them like, hey, there's this group that meets if there was no. There was no exchange of anything. Uh, they didn't expect anything other than like, hey, we want to help you guys, uh, you know, be open. And they didn't ask me to vote for anyone or anything because. How, how did you how did you find them? Like I said, social media, man. I had a really cool friend, Kristen, on social media who uh, he does uh, like graphic design work. Kristen's a dude. Kristen's a dude. No, it's a lady. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah, she has like a design company. It does a lot of things. Uh, and she's like a political advocate and she does a lot of different things. But she uh, saw me, I think I posted something about, you know, how much it sucked to watch everything I worked for fall apart at the seams. And, you know, I was very angry at the time um, with these decisions, who's making these choices, who's telling me that my business, which provides for me and my family and other people to be healthy and combat uh sickness and you know like who's who's saying that mcdonald's or walmart has a better service than what i'm providing and why is it who's making these choices and decisions and so she reached out to me and said hey there's a group this meeting um we're trying to help entrepreneurs out you can come down check out a meeting so that's what i did I, i just went to they did like town halls i went to the town hall and i got to hear some of the other business owners and it felt good to know like i'm not alone you know what i mean I don't mean this in any in any malicious way, deceitful way. Like um, it's not conspiracy theory, and I, and I know it's like just used so often. But I want to give a couple examples I've given before. Really, the people with the most money are in control, and right now, the people with the most money most money is not even the right word. With the strongest business, with the business that's in the in the largest demand, we vote with our dollars. And right now, that that industry is pharma people who sell pharmaceutical. Um, whether it's any, everything from wheelchairs to um, pharmaceutical medications, they are in control. And why is that? Because they make the most money. The perfect example is, is if you show up to a hotel, and I've used this example before, and every person you see, if you give a $20 bill, within three hours, they'll all be working for you because you pay them more than their hourly weight that the hotel pays them. And I've seen it done. Um, and the same thing is true. Like in, in Mexico is a great example. Um, the military went in to um, – to, to, get the 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 guys who are growing um 
marijuana and cocaine and whatever the shit they were growing out there in the fields and the cartel has more money than them so they told the military to go away not only do they have more money they have more military horsepower but i guarantee you it wasn't a, a fight like we have more machine guns than you it was like hey we've paid off your generals and so when you have someone you have fifteen thousand crossfit gyms who are basically trying to make people better and you have this pharmaceutical company that's trying to make people better the pharmaceutical company gets everyone has to go down the pharmaceutical path because they make more money i mean it's it's really that simple whoever has the most money is in control and and Man, it sucks. It's, I mean, I mean, it doesn't suck. I, I, it's just in this particular circumstance, it's it's frustrating. I, I I don't have a problem with like the guy with the most money being in control. Like I, I like it that Bezos and and those guys are going to space. You know, I like Amazon. But in this particular circumstance, it's um, it's not good. It's not it's it's not good. And why is that? Because pharmaceuticals aren't really a solution to this problem. There is no cure for for bad diet there is not except for changing your diet and then and then and then doing what else Corey offers you is, is a community to support you through one of the hardest things you'll ever do in your life which is changing your diet right right um, did you did you have did you lose any clients did anyone at your gym die from SARS-CoV-2 no um no no one now there have been like uh extended family or friends I mean that's happened right. but for the most part, uh, we were we were fortunate. Um, we didn't even have to have any quarantines for contact stuff. Like we did, uh, things have uh, things have been pretty good here. Um, I, I've heard stories out there, but as far as in my community, in my gym, uh, we um, I, I guess we dodged the bullet, or we were lucky. I don't know. Um, have you had COVID? No, no. My mom did. Um, my mom, my grandmother, my aunt. Um, four of my kids, so a little bit, but not me. Um, I've had to quarantine, I think two times for contact tracing and all that stuff, but my test came back negative. And, yeah. I've been around people. Your, your four kids had it, but you didn't get it. Yeah. Well, my kids, my kids don't live with me. Um, my kids live out of town and then my oldest two kids are in college. Okay. I, I I had it last week, although um, my family tells me I can't say that since I tested negative. But my whole family was sick, and my wife tested positive, but I tested negative. But um, I know how that works, right? Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, and she lost her taste and her smell. Uh, you're you're a better man than me. I I know this upsets some of the listeners, but like I didn't do anything. Like I I just kept. I I, I mean. I just kept doing my life. I like, like the same ways if I had a cold, I just still worked out, still went to the gas station, still drove my kids around to the skate park. I was just like, all right, I'll just roll with this. But I'm also, I'm also a CrossFitter. I, I, you know, and at the bottom of our foundation of our pyramid is diet. So I watch my diet very closely. Um, I follow, I follow that, that protocol that Greg Glassman laid out. So do you know any CrossFit gyms where they had any members die from SARS-CoV-2? Not here. Do you know of any anywhere in the world? Have you heard of any? I haven't heard of anything. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I've heard of one very early on in the first month. There was a gentleman um, who was an Italian gentleman, overweight, who lived in Belgium. And I guess he was uh, – he's the only one that I know. It, it, isn't that – it's it's fascinating, right? Like – 
These people all train together, spit on each other, breathe on each other, roll around in their sweat together. High fives and hugs. Yeah. Yeah. Where's all and, and there's even there was a gym in uh, Montana, Crested Butte, where every single person got it. Wow. I, I I think I heard that story. Yeah. I think I, I think I spoke to the owner on some affiliate call back when I was employed. Okay. So they help you out. And so do you actually keep your doors open and do the police ever? No police ever came. Um, so we just started, you know, more and more, we just started to open things up. And then eventually the state went into green, which meant that we were allowed to open. But I, at that point I've been open, I don't know, two, two months or so. Um, I, I just, yeah, I, I didn't have another choice. It's either, watch everything I work for die or not. <laughs> and I feel like that's an easy choice for anybody to make. So basically you, if you didn't open your doors prematurely, you would have gone out of business. So there was no loss in opening prematurely. There was nothing they could do to hurt you. Like, okay, so if the police come and shut me down, all right, well, the other option is I just shut myself down. So I might as well just roll the dice and keep helping people. Bro, we had 19 members who wouldn't be allowed to come to the gym. They were gracious enough to keep paying their membership fees because they love the gym so much. That's the power of community. If, if, if that goes, if they don't see an end in sight to not being able to come, I, and especially as they don't know what's going on with their financial situation. I don't think that people could justify to keep being so gracious to do that. But I, I felt I had a responsibility, man, to like, I set out to pay fitness forward. Um, fitness, like it's, it's changed my life and saved me in a lot of ways. Uh, but for combating sickness, disease, like it's, it is the, it's the recipe, man. I'm the doctor, right? CrossFit is the prescription. If I don't do that for people, I'm not doing my job. I'm not doing what I set out to do. And oh, by the way, I can't take care of So. I feel that way about my kids' jujitsu gym. Like under no circumstance can I lose that place. It's my kids' community. It's it's like where all their friends are. It's where their teachers are. It's like I, that place can't go out of business. And and I'm sure it, it sounds like those 19 people feel that way about your business. They're like, holy shit, what would we do? It's like if all of a sudden someone's threatening to like take away your bathroom. No, no, you can't. I need that. <laughs> well, when this is the best one hour of your day, I mean, like people people need that, man. For mental health, physical health, like people need it. T- who tell am me I to deny that. Them of that? Say that again. Say who am I to deny them of that? You know. Yeah. Um, tell me about this commitment that you have and that you that you sort of alluded to that you've you've made for yourself into your into your group that basically about paying it forward. Well, that that that's our mission. You know, uh, fitness for me it's it's about mental health being able to deal with my mental health and, and to be fortunate enough not to need medicines, not to say that people don't need medications and those things. I've tried them. I've been prescribed them for some, like I deal with depression and anxiety. Um, so I know how it helps me. I know when I'm not eating right and I'm not working out, I know the person that I am. I'm a shell of myself and my mental health deteriorates. So I, I've always wanted to be able to help others in that way. And also with empowering people who did, who felt helpless or people didn't feel great about themselves because that was me. That's, that's my story. And I'm not going to get in all that. I mean, people could watch the other episode that, because we kind of, we talked about all those things before, but 
just rescued me and I want to save as many people as I can. That's my mission. Are any of the guys that you were in prison with, are they out also? Yes. Um, so there, and there was a bunch of guys, but the main group of the core group of guys that, you know, I aligned myself with, uh, they're, they're all out minus one who tragically overdosed on heroin, uh, two years ago. Uh, but while he was other- in jail, he OD'd in jail. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Um, he just, he just, he was in jail for crimes associated with addiction. And then he just, he maintained that addiction in prison. And then, wow. and then when he got out, he just, you know, got a hold of some bad stuff and, you know, but I hadn't been in contact with him at that point, but some of the other guys I'm still in contact with, they're doing great. I think Steve I- just bought a house. He's starting an asphalt company. Um, like Aaron does like power walk. And yeah, so guys are, guys are doing pretty well, man. They, you know, they have that, that belief in themselves where they didn't have it before and they're doing well. Contrary to you can screw up in life and, and good things happen to you. Did, did you by any chance see the episode where I interviewed the guys in, uh, from who are in prison, who are doing CrossFit and the one guy's in there for life? Did you see that? I did not. I'll send you a link to it. It, that was a crazy episode. I uh, love it, actually. Yeah, the, I, I wish I could remember his name. I feel like it, mm, maybe it's episode 74, 77. But basically, this guy contacted me. I, I feel horrible for not remembering his name. But he basically said, hey, I work with a prison program where these guys do CrossFit in prison. And these guys, this program in this one prison, and, and, and a couple of the guys were in there for either life in prison or some crazy amount of time, you know, like 500 years. So it was basically life. And he said they got so good. They made this program so robust and so positive and it grew so fast in this one prison that this unprecedented thing is happening. And I go, what? He goes, they're going to take these prisoners who started a CrossFit program in one prison and move them to another prison to start another CrossFit program. So they did that. And now they have, I think they're in a handful of prisons now, and they basically have this competition network going between the prisons where they hold competitions and the oh, prisons compete. <laughs> but it, it was probably one of the most emotional things I've done in the last couple of years interviewing. Uh, oh, that's right. Matt Souza says it's Peter, Peter Ducker. Uh, it, um, it was probably one of the most emotional things I, w- I ever did was interview guys who are in prison for life because it's a weird conversation, right? Yes. Like, hold hold on. Just I just had muted myself while I yelled at my kids. Quiet down, boys. How many <laughs> kids did you say you have? You have seven. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, so, so, so a bunch of other guys. And do they know what you're doing? Do your do the guys yeah. that you're? Yeah. And what, what do they say about it? Man, I mean, they're you know just that they're proud. Um, they remain inspired. I mean, just glad that, you know, I chose to stick to the path. I told them that I would, you know, seven, eight, ten years ago. So, How did you find CrossFit, Corey? Remind me about that, how it first came across your plate. In prison. In prison. But but how? Were you watching TV? Someone told you about it? So a friend of mine, Steve, who I alluded to earlier, starting an asphalt company, bought a home. Loves to ride motorcycles, by the way. Shout out to Steve Casey. Uh, Steve was doing a workout. Gotten routine. Steve was doing a workout. That workout was Annie. 
Um, and, you know, I was just watching him and I had questions. I asked him about the workout and he said, oh, I'm doing this CrossFit stuff. I'm like, well, what is what is CrossFit, you know? Uh, and then he introduced it to me. Uh, he, Chris, was the guy who overdosed, actually. Uh, Chris had some some literature um, inside the box, I think, was the, by T.J. Murphy. And then I can't remember Rich's, Rich Roney's first book. Um, I can't remember the name of that book. Gave me that book read that stuff. And then we started to write things up on the, on the uh, whiteboards in our unit. And some of the correction officers saw it. And then some of them had been doing CrossFit before and they started to, to bring in workouts that we could do body weight stuff. So, yeah. And then obviously I wrote the letter to that your wife got, and here we are. Yeah. Crazy. So you wrote a letter to Greg Glassman, basically asking if there's anything he can do, like to help you get more instructional materials, equipment I was, or whatnot. I was more, I, we more, you know, kind of wrote it just as a, like, Hey, cross. Thank you. Like this thing is helped change us. It's inspired us to think that we could do better. We, and it's funny you mentioned the program. That's what, that's what we were trying to do. Uh, we wanted to start a, you know, a program, but none of us, had a level one or knew what a level one was. So we just wanted sources to like, how could we get into coaching? How could we start like a pilot program in the state of Ohio at the time to, uh, to help guys because it was, it was working for us. Um, and that's, that's what we set out to do. We weren't able to make it happen, but I mean, I've gotten a lot out of that experience. Yeah. It's crazy. When you say that um, fit, you see fitness as um, I don't know if you use the word cure, but as, part of the solution for mental health, um, helping with mental health, depression. We, we, do you ever even just dose yourself just like, hey, I don't feel good. I'm going to go work out for 20 minutes? Like, like Every day of my like, life. Every, every. Yeah. Can you walk me through what that looks like? So like you've already – maybe you've already done one workout in the morning and now it's 7 o'clock at night and you don't feel good. Or Can you tell me sort of how that goes for you? So – and it, 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 it varies because, again, right. it's – and anxiety, they're two separate entities, but wait, usually, say that again. What are two separate entities? Depression and anxiety, they're okay, not the same. Um, okay, so just with dealing with being a can't calm my thoughts down, my mind is racing, can't sleep, can't focus. That prescription to, to not think to know that hey, I'm going to do insert whatever wad you want, whatever I can come up with. I'm going to do this. And then the feeling that I get, the feeling of accomplishment afterwards helps calm me down. When it comes to depression, that feeling of being defeated or not being myself, um, that workout helps boost me up. Yeah. Um, adrenaline rush is something that I need. And, and without it, you might not hear from me for four or five days at a time uh, because I've disappeared. Because that's what that's what it does to me. I never know when it's coming, uh, but I'm a lot better at when I start to feel not me. I know that I need to I need to move. In my, in my twenties, I think that's why I stopped smoking weed. I used to smoke a ton of weed, and uh, I think it gave me anxiety. I, I um because my is, is anxiety when you say is that when your thoughts are so loud like you can't even think yourself it's like it, it doesn't even matter what your thoughts are whether they're good or bad it's just yeah. they're so fucking loud and you can't get away from them you're like what the hell is going on Heart's racing and you feel like you just want to run yeah want yeah yeah i know that feeling where you just want to run that's a shitty feeling 
That's it. Yeah, that's like like I, I've explained that before. Uh, you just yeah, literally, you just want to stop whatever you're doing and just run off in a certain direction. Like like almost like the Bob Marley song. You're running and you're running and you're running away, but you can't run away from yourself. Yes. And 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 then um and then and then they're they're basically quick fixes. They give you they give you immediate reprieve, huh? Yes. So you just get you get on an assault bike and you ride it for ten minutes, and and the depression and anxiety are. are gone or or I wouldn't say gone okay but helps helps um yes helps and and the the thing is also is is that sometimes the thought comes in during those workouts that kind of does cure it until the next day right like you get like okay. like you unlock like you unlock a key like a like another thought comes in like neutralizes it kind of like how you would imagine like yeah it's, it's a trip it's a trip. Do you have a lot of good thoughts when you're working out? Uh, I don't know if you call them good thoughts, depending on what the workout is. <laughs> Sometimes I'm questioning why the hell am I doing this? Uh, but no, but it does uh, help me get to a positive place because I'm doing something for me. Um, and I'm working towards something, which I need goals. I need things to work towards. Um, without them, I feel lost. So it does help me kind of working out and I start to think about things that I can improve on, whether it's fatherhood, whether it's as a gym owner or relationship stuff. Like I, I, I am able to channel um, some productivity with my thinking process. Is, is your gym going to survive? Yeah, man, we're doing, we're doing, I mean, it could be better. I could be double or triple those members, um, but we're really focusing on dialing in our systems Um place establishing roles and tasks so i could run a more efficient gym and go from working in my business to working on my business and you know get that role of being a ceo uh what 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 advice do you have for other people what's working for you this hat man chris cooper two brain business that's what's working for me okay and they're not paying me to say this guys i pay a lot of money for my mentorship but having a mentorship Having someone that holds me accountable and gives me some knowledge and expertise done it way better than I have on a much grander scale. See things that changes that I make and implement to see those, you know, attract the metrics and understand the the business aspect of owning a gym. Say, hey Sevy, I love to fucking work out. It's awesome. Let's open up a gym and like everybody can sweat. But then what happens behind the scenes? Like understanding understanding leads, lead generation, uh, member retention, tracking metrics. So you can understanding your customer avatar. These are things that, you know, I had no idea. I just love fitness and wanted to help other people. But with two yeah. brain, I have a lot more structure, things are a lot more organized. So now that I have old, older members who had quit two or three years ago, coming back and it's like, for them, it's like night and day. Wow. They even see the difference. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so, so let's go back a second. So um, government's telling you to close down. You go through this pretty hard year or two years. How, when does Chris Cooper and Two Brain Business come into your life? It's so funny that, that that's your, where you're at because that, that's the only reason why I have a podcast is because when I did the CrossFit. Do you know that story? No, what Chris did tell me that he knows you though. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's pretty – so I had Chris Cooper on the CrossFit podcast many years ago. 
Matt Souza had a gym in Livermore, California that was suffering. He heard the Chris Cooper podcast. He started reading Chris Cooper's books. His business took off and was and, and, and now it's a tremendous success. He's got CrossFit everywhere. And he's like you. He, he lives and breathes CrossFit. And it's like he just wants to make people better, just make people better. And so his business is exploding. He's super duper inspired. And, um, he, and I hadn't talked to him probably in a year or two. And I hardly knew Matt Souza, the owner of CrossFit Livermore. We just knew each other from social media. And I had met him a few times at CrossFit events. But basically, um, he contacts me about six months ago. And he says to me, Hey, Sevon, this is Matt Souza. Um, why aren't you doing your podcast? And I said, oh, I got fired from CrossFit. I'm just chilling. I'm just raising my kids. And I'm just kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just raising my kids. That's all I really want to do. He goes, well, I think you should start your podcast. I'm like, well, cool. That's nice of you. Thank you. And then he says, well, why don't you start it? And I just said, I told you I, I have kids and I don't want to waste the time of, of finding people to interview for my podcast. And he says, I'll do that for you. And I said, what? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I want to pay it forward to you. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I just told you that my business was failing. You had Chris Cooper on and now, and it helped my business. So two years later, I'm reaching out to you to tell you I want to help you now. I'm like, no, oh, thanks, dude. I don't need any help, but thank you. So I get off the phone and my wife's like, hey, Sevon, you're always preaching that. And I tell my wife the story and she's like, hey, you're always preaching that the universe is, uh, is, um, Thank you. My wife just told me uh, conspiring to help you. That's like one of the lines I use. Oh, universe. I'm the luckiest man alive. I live a charm life. The universe is conspiring to help me. And I really do believe that um, as uncomfortable as it makes me feel. And she said, well, here's the universe conspiring to help you and you're ignoring it. So I call Matt Sousa back up and I go, listen, dude. I don't really want to do this, but you you will make you will find people and get them on the show for me. He goes, Yeah, I'll do all that. I'll do all your scheduling. I'll give you one of my employees to do all that and produce the show for you. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> so kicking and screaming, he gets me to do the show. And so after we do like five or ten shows, like you know, and I'm in, I call him every day now. He probably hates that. And I say, Hey, I'm gonna try to do five hundred shows. I'm gonna make them the best shows ever. I'm gonna make every show a little better than the last show, and I'm gonna fucking like try to take over. I'm gonna try to like be like uh, peers with Joe Rogan, right? I'm going to try to fucking like do this. So every day the show gets a little better. It gets, and so we're doing it now. But the funny part is, is it ties back to Chris Cooper. This fucking guy, Chris Cooper. And, 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 I, and, I, and whenever there's something like I, it's, it's funny that I just barely scratched the surface. And as soon as, I, as soon as you brought up Chris Cooper, your whole energy changed. Not that it was down, but you're pumped. Man, but I had Chris, I had Chris Cooper on the show a few months ago, and I'm still like, "Fuck you, Chris. There's no fucking way my business is hurting, and I got five grand in the bank. There's no way I'm giving you that five grand to help me. I'm shutting my doors and like holding on to my money as tight as I can. So that's I'm I'm so excited to hear now from you. How do you do that? Like, how do you how do you have a business that's struggling? First of all, how did Chris Cooper come on your radar? Tell me, tell me that like, and and how do you make that leap? Like, aren't you like, fuck you? How can you know better than me? I heard him speaking on an interview, and I'm not sure if it was maybe Morning Chalk Up. Okay. Maybe. Um, okay. And this is a few years ago, um, even before I started a gym. Like, I was, this is back when I was like having boot camps out in the park or training people in a one car garage. Uh, okay. So I just started following, you know, Two Brain and looking at all the free tools you can download and um, listening to the podcast. It came out with a uh, two brain radio and I would listen to that on my long commutes home back and forth. Um, but, and I had even made like, you could do like the free help call, made the call. And then even in the free call, I made some changes that were beneficial with just with rate stuff at the time, the person I spoke with can recall who that was. Um, but so I somehow friended 
Chris on Facebook, and as he's got to be, man, Chris was like, we were messaging back and forth on Facebook because he saw me on your podcast. So, oh. yeah. So wow. Was, wow. And he's like, hey, how can I help you? And then he like sent me some of his. And, you know, was, and he never was tried to sell me anything. And obviously I know now, like, this is what you do. You help first. Um, but he never really, I never tried to sell me. He was just giving me some information, passing along. And that's when he He's told amazing. me that he knew you before from HQ or whatever. Yeah. Um, and one, like, in about to lose my business last year, I made the call. They let me choose a mentor. I chose Matt Van Choik, and Matt has been phenomenal. Actually, Chris helped me to add uh, nutrition coaching to my business, and Matt's their gym um, final call. They're doing really well with nutrition, so yeah, they've been helping me implement some of those things in my gym. And without it, man, uh, and I, I got to give credit to my community and all the people in the community that have supported the gym, but without Two Brain, bro, I I had no idea what I was doing versus now I have a lot more, more guidance and a lot more structure. And that's the thing that people notice most when they come in, even when they myself from some of the other, there's three other boxes in this area and our systems is what makes us stand out to other people. So they come here and it's, it's completely different. Can you give me an example? Like, okay. did you paint your walls green or you got a new oh, doormat or None of you, you kiss uh, on I, both sides of the cheek now? You got the, you adopted the Italian way. So understanding that when people come in, they have a problem and then to offer people solutions to their problems, right? Like the, pres- the prescription is some form of fitness and nutrition, but being able to have a system in place for doing our no sweat intros and consultations and what happens before, uh, during, after those interviews, how do we reach out to those people? How, do we, you know, kind of get them on board and what we're doing, I think. And we, to, the, the member would probably tell you that to make sure that they're on track for their goals, whether it be with programming or, you know, tracking their biometrics and stuff. And I think, some of the other gyms are still kind of in that garage gym mentality of just come in and work out. But we know that they need more um, people. People need more. So having having systems in, and then um, making sure that we are constantly in contact with our members, uh, myself and my staff, we're always contacting. I'm always asking, can we help you more? What can we do to to help you? You know, reach whatever your goals are. Keeping track of all those things for them. Doing things as simple as gyms don't even sit down with people and say, hey, Jim, you joined, I, you joined the gym, you know, three months ago. You said that you wanted to lose 15 pounds. How's that going for you? Something as simple as that, letting people know you care. And if they haven't, then like prescribing them some things to help them change and fix it. Like so holding people accountable a little bit more than just, hey, come to the gym, show up to class. Well, what happens when someone hasn't been showing the class? Do you have someone who's reaching out to them, making sure that they're checking in? And I'm not going to, but <laughs> I, I just think focusing more on the accountability piece and instead of trying to do a thousand and one things great, focus on what we really do well and deliver that to people in a, in a system or a process that 
your 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 customers are happier your clients are happier they're getting more out of the gym are you happier do you like it or is it like pulling teeth have you lost any of like the freedom or creativity or do you feel fake at all doing any of this like do you feel like it's insincere like how, how does it affect you man this morning i'm looking around at what used to be one of our lowest numbers as far as classes our 5:45 a.m class which is now one of our bigger more consistent classes and i'm looking at people smiling and laughing and you know pushing it to the limits we just finished two weeks of uh, assessments and testing people are doing things that they never thought that they could imagine or doing they're telling that like it's and i it things couldn't what well, they could be better actually you can always make more money but from a from a if my goal or my mission is to pay fitness forward like the feedback that i'm getting from you know my members clients and even my staff is that that is what we're doing and people appreciate it all day long. People want to hug me and high five me or message me and just thank me for, for allowing them to come to the gym, even though they pay to be here. Um, then they appreciate it so much more than they ever have before. And I don't know if any of that has to do with, you know, being shut down and not being able to attend gyms or any of that. But I think with the way that we handle things that we actually are centered around helping people, uh, I think people appreciate that more. And then it makes me feel good about what I'm doing because I'm not some sketchy car salesman trying to trick you into purchasing something. I'm actually trying to help people become the best version of themselves because CrossFit is the thing that's helped me do that. So I'm paying it forward. Pretty cool, man. It's it's crazy cool. It's crazy cool. Is there is there a whole mixture of people? Are there are there um people? We have a little like, bit of everybody in here so you got the you you have the person who's terrified you have the person who's like fuck it i don't care i'll drink that i'll drink a gallon of covid you got the person who's like wearing the biden shirt you got the person who's like fuck biden you got the whole gambit in there a little bit of everybody but none of that matters when you walk in the right And, and why doesn't it matter when you walk in the door because we're all here to improve ourselves personal shit aside isn't that amazing no one cares where you come from where you grew up look at me man i'm the leader of the gym i'm a convicted felon right nobody gives a shit people are here to work people are here because they're stressed out or they're not happy with where they where they are what they look like or how how they feel they want to be better everybody has that in common no matter what their individual goals are susie wants to lose 10 pounds because she's getting married next week John wants to be able to get up and down the stairs with his grandkids, whatever the goal, whatever the one common is that we all want to be better version of ourselves. And we are very adamant and zero tolerance for bringing any of that divisiveness into our facility. Zero. I would tell them back. And do you tell people that like, yo, yo, chill out with that. When people sign up and join my gym, Mm -hmm. that's one of the very we are really big on culture here. If like, if you're, if any, any type of negative energy, I don't mind giving you your money back, refunding you because I like trying to create a space where everyone feels comfortable and, and, and is just trying to work on themselves. What you do when you walk out of the gym, I don't care. Um, but when you're here, just be ready to work, know who you're sweating next to um, and, and, and understand that, everyone's at a different point in their fitness, no judgments. You know, and I know that's really generic for every gym owner who says like no judgment, but we try. Um, and we've had one or two incidents where people were uh, not 
a great fit. And that's something I learned from, you know, two brand firing a client. Um, if people don't fit culture, I can't make them fit. And at that point, it's not worth my time, my money, or even their time, because maybe there's another gym that would suit them better. And I don't mind telling that to people. I, I'm working on some of that stuff. Um, myself it's a it's, it's funny it's a little bit different you're you're trying to uh, make a place that where the, the primary focus is make people's lives better right the best hour of their day regardless of what their beliefs are make them better and and i think that that's awesome um i go to a lot of kids events like every single day like one two three four five events and so there's parents there from all different backgrounds right and i met my kids uh i met my kids tennis practice the other day and one of the fathers walks up to me and i've seen him there for the last three or four months right and he's he always sits away from the other parents so do i but he sits away from the other parents he's always got a mask on and his kid always has a mask on and my kid never has a mask on this is an outdoor tennis practice right so he comes over to me and my kid really likes his kid my kid's six and his his son is 10 and his kid's the best kid in the class like really really good and so he comes over to me and he goes, tells me, oh, my son really likes your son. I'm like, yeah, my son really likes your son. Whenever your son's around, my son gets a little swagger, right? Because your son's so good. So he's like, if, if they're on the same team together, my son gets all puffy chested. And we start laughing. And he goes, yeah, well, we took a year off from tennis. And I said, why'd you take a year off from tennis? And he said, because I didn't like the protocol that was put in place to stop the spread of COVID here at the tennis academy. And I'm thinking in my brain, well, that's the reason why I brought my kid to tennis because they didn't make the kids wear masks. They were allowed to do whatever they wanted, right? But I, but I don't say that to them. And I was so proud of myself, Corey, because normally I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Kids shouldn't be wearing masks. I would have just fucking dug in. But I'm like, you know what? Like, like our kids, like this is my kids. This is the dad of my kid's buddy. And like, I don't need to shove it down his throat. I just need to, I was like, oh, okay, fantastic. He's also, and so he's telling me we took a year off and, 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 and I, and I bit my tongue and, and I, and I, and I felt like, uh, eventually I fucked that up because like 10 minutes later, he's like, Hey, do your kids, where do your kids go to school? I'm like, my kids don't go to school. And he goes, why not? I go, cause I would never put a fucking mask on my kid, but I tried <laughs> before then I tried, I tried not to, I tried not to say anything, <laughs> but, but I, I'm try. I, I see, I see it's taken me a long time to get to that point. Cause I have such strong opinions about, um, what's being done, but I wonder if it speaks to the fact of what you're doing is um, sort of transcends all of that. Like, like if we're not all healthy, we can't even have the luxury of fighting with each other's personal beliefs. Absolutely not. Right. So it, it, I, would I rather get along with this guy and have a guy to talk to or would I, the, the, I fight with him and make him feel bad and we go and for the next five years we're, we're at kids events together but we don't talk to each other. That just sounds not fun. It's like fighting with your neighbor. It's like you, if you're – your neighbor's dog always shits on your lawn and you have to at one point like decide like is it worth just not being friends with my neighbor? I don't think so. I think it's better to get along and like try to find a way around it. Like be like – like maybe just like – I picked up your dog's shit off my lawn again today. Love you. Have a great day. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. find a way. It's not my strong suit, brother. It's not my strong suit. Uh, so, so does Chris, what is, what do you, that is amazing that I know Chris is extremely busy. He has thousands of gyms, um, that his program is mentoring. I think he is the largest Chris Cooper, two brain business is the largest consulting service of gyms in the world. By yeah. the way, I, I, I don't think he's, I think that that guy's advice could work for any business. 
Yeah, you could have a dog groomer, a restaurant. What do you think? I do. I do. Those principles, I think, can be applied to to anything. How is he so smart? How does he know all that? And his demeanor. He's got crazy demeanor, right? This is tried and failed, man. He's been through some things, and he's someone who always sought mentorship to improve. Um, And now he has the ability to help other guys and girls become mentors and mentor gyms, man. He's Chris is sticking to his mission and it's working. Would you say this is a fair statement that CrossFit success is really just like, it, it is all based on the fact is that, that it works. Yes. That's like the cornerstone of its or, or, or even greater. The foundation of a success is that it works. It works. You get a group of people together, you get them like-minded in their diet and their movement, and you will start seeing see tremendous results. results. And then people close to them see results. It grows, and it grows that way. And so that's what happened to Chris, too. That's why Chris is so successful. Because his business works, yes. So it, it, he, if, if he wasn't truly helping gyms, he'd be gone by now. Yes. And I know there's a lot of gurus and stuff out there. All those people contact me all the time. Like, no, no, I'm a two brain gym, man. I'm good, man. I don't need your, your free marketing tips. I'm good. <laughs> um, but I, Chris, like I said, even for him to reach out to me, like that meant a lot to me. I mean, even now I can guarantee you if I message him on messenger, he might not respond right away, but within a couple of days, if I have a question, he'll still answer it. Even though I have a mentor and he'll answer you know, at will, but Chris is, he's that kind of guy that he, he truly does want to help people. So that's why he actually wants to help you. Um, do you, what are your, what do you have goals beyond this gym? Like what are your hopes for the gym? So uh, obviously I want the gym to grow to a place where uh, it doesn't need me to be here every day. And then I'd like to open up additional another location or even more. I think every gym owner probably, but I feel like this is a stepping stone in what I really want to do, which is to speak to troubled youth or men and women who've been incarcerated from addiction and to tell them that their circumstances can be changed through hard work and dedication. And that while 99% of people won't believe in you, the 1% that do, over you have to take chance you have to take advantage of every opportunity you're given and just work harder than the next person to you i I know that for a long time i believed that because i was a convicted felon i would never find a job people would hate me society would shun me and you know and to be at a place now where i can say i i can't speak for everyone but for me it just isn't true um all it took was for somebody to believe in me um, and and I never disappointed that individual and every opportunity that I've been given, I've taken fully advantage of it. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to to now be in a network of people that are willing to help if I need it. But then and, and I return that I pay it forward. So do, do you think that um, you can flip the script on that or maybe you have or eventually that happens instead of being like, fuck, I'm a convicted felon. No one's going to hire me. No one's going to work with me. I'm never going to be successful to where like you, you actually start to use that as fuel. Like it's part of your story. It's like, look, if I can do it, anyone can do it. It's like, have, have like, you almost, like you get a, almost like you get a chip on your shoulder, like a good one, a good chip. 
Have you ever heard of C.T. Fletcher? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yes, sir. So what he does motivational-wise, like, I love listening to C.T. Fletcher. And I love his story. And I would like to be able to make a similar impact to people like me that have similar struggles like me. Because there's a lot of guys and girls that don't believe in themselves based on making choices and not understanding that you can't situation. So, man, I really hope that the day comes where I can go out and I can speak to people and make an impact to take to have people take the step in a different direction and to motivate and inspire them. They just want to be better. Doesn't have to be about fitness. Obviously, I'm going to talk about fitness, but it just to believe that no matter what your circumstances are, as fucked up as it might be, you can do better. Like a lot of people don't really believe that. I certainly never did. Uh, John George has a question from the comments since we're live. Uh, John, uh, I'll ask the questions. Keep your questions to yourself, please. Okay. So the question is who believed in him? What did that look like? That's a great question, John. So is there anyone specifically who believed in you? Yes. So there's, there's a bunch of people, but I'll start from like, obviously my mom and my grandmother and my brother, they've always believed in me, you know, but that's your mom always believed in you. Absolutely. My mother never, she always hoped someday you're going to turn it around. You know what I mean? Mom will never give up on you, man. Yeah. No weird, mom, right? Yeah. Mom's even, you know, my mom's had some struggles and battles with addiction and stuff. And, but she's certainly never given up on me. She's always, my mom never gave up on me either. It's crazy. Yeah. But for me, I think in prison, the Sergeant, Sergeant Daniel Moore on my housing unit, gave me an opportunity to hold fitness programs in our housing unit to help other people. And that's what inspired me to want to become a coach or a trainer because I realized that I had a, a gift for, for leadership or people wanting to, to listen to me or follow me because I led by example. I can start there, but I can also start with a letter that I wrote that ended up in the hands of your wife, who I give a lot of credit to, um, and her reading this and actually believing in what I was doing and wanting to help me. And even when things didn't seem like they would allow her to because of prison stuff, I'm even getting out um, the doors that that's opened up. And, and by extension, you and people like Gary Roberts, um, having having those types of people um, was like it was crucial for me because I couldn't let you guys down. Right. Like. People have, you know, invested time and energy and just believing that I could do something when I didn't believe I could do it myself. And how could you let those people down? Uh, One statement, one question. The statement is this, by the way, when we when I worked at CrossFit and I've talked about this ad nauseum, every single person there was like a diehard CrossFit. It's a CrossFitter. It's not anything like it is now. Nothing. I mean, like we were all fucking fanatics, all 100, 200, 300 of us, however many of us worked there. Everyone. From like the people you know, like Heber and Marsden, to the people you don't know, like everyone was like CrossFit had saved their life, and we were the there was there was a very strong mission statement at CrossFit and a very strong vision uh, vision for all the shortcomings that people might think that Greg Glassman has. There was never a shortage of vision, and the vision was very fucking clear, 
And one and a piece of that vision was to always do the right thing for the right people for the right reasons. He would pound that into us. And so my wife was the executive uh, assistant to Greg Glassman, and people would write, hand, write in handwritten letters. And Corey wrote a handwritten letter into Greg. And my wife, although her job literally was 24-7, 365 for years, I, I know most people can't even imagine that. They might think it's hyperbole, but on the days that my wife gave birth to my twins and my first son, she still also worked. And I mean worked. And then she worked the days after she gave birth too. Like we were, like we didn't compartmentalize our lives when you, when you were, you took this shit. A letter showed up to Greg and my wife just opened. It wasn't, my wife could have easily have just thrown that shit away. Easily. There was no pressure on her to answer that shit. She had other important shit to do for Greg. But Greg always told us to do the right thing. And my wife fucking sat down. I go, what are you doing? She's all, I'm writing Corey back. I'm all, who's Corey? So, and she had, there were a couple dudes from prison she was writing to. And she would be like, oh, they won't let me send the whole L1 book in. So I have to send in one page at a time or bounce back. And now I'm going to try to send it again this way. And there was all. And then when Corey got out, my wife still kept in contact with them. And you don't get paid extra for this shit. No one's being your boss. No one's telling. My wife could have been like, fuck this. Instead of writing Corey, I'm going to go get my nails done. Like easily. So you see that this is, uh, this is like all, and, and my wife's not anyone special. Anyone would have done this. Any, anyone who worked at CrossFit Inc. would have done this. That's just what we did. I, I, Haley's very special to me. Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. Yeah. You're she's, lucky. She's, <laughs> she's just a baby. She's just a baby factory. She stopped at three. I want her to give me three little daughters now. So I, I need six. You'll pay for this later, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I can see her in the kitchen right now. And she's doing the boys' schoolwork with them right now. She's trying to ignore me. Um, so but uh, t- tell me about this guard. Th- this guy, t- did he ha- – tell me, w- what was his name again? She. Her name was she? Danielle. Yeah. Danielle. And, and what did she do and did she have to do it? You're saying basically she enabled you to start the program there? She What's that look like? She was the liaison who we, you know, we approached her, my friends and I, we approached her with an idea and she took it up to the prison administration, you know, assistant warden, warden, you know, you have to like climb the ladder and everything, but they allowed it. And then there was a point where we were even getting referrals from the prison medical where they would refer guys take our program. Uh, We're having some, some chronic health issues and they come in and let us let us do it, man. And that's with no training or coaching or no knowledge or anything. Could they, could, could um, Danielle have said, Hey, Corey, um, shut the fuck up and get in your cell. I think it was more of, yes. I think it was probably more. So of she, a, that was an option to her. She didn't have to help you. Absolutely not. No. Her job is to make sure that the, the unit's going great. Everybody's secure. She went above and beyond. And it was also another Sergeant, Sergeant Cruz. Um, who, who played a big role in what we did. Who I'm still friends with him today. Um, actually, I no keep shit. Telling, yeah, he moved down to Key West. I keep telling him I'm going to come down to, to go visit him and hang out, work out with him. But yeah, he was is, really, really. Is that weird? It was weird because like you're not supposed to talk to the cops, <laughs> right? You know, and, and I got a lot of flack from that from inmates from my relationships with staff, but I didn't care. I mean, I'm trying to better myself. Like I'm not, you know, ratting people out or getting in. I don't get any, any of that stuff. I mind my own business, but I knew that I never wanted to go back again. Well, um, what's this guy doing in Florida? Is he still a correctional officer? 
no, hell no. He got out of corrections. Um, he that has, can't be a healthy job, right? That can't be a good like, job for anyone, right? Mentally, physically, like it's just a lot. And they didn't appreciate him, man. He was a great guy, and like they they just really didn't appreciate him. But he does uh, HVAC stuff down there in Florida. Yeah, um, uh, guarding other humans who are in prison can't be healthy for you. There's since we all are just mirrors here, mirroring each other, being in an environment where you're lording over other human beings cannot be healthy for your soul it must it's what it's one of the reasons why i don't believe in the death penalty i mean the first part is is i think we kill the wrong people sometimes and and if you even do that once you can't have the death penalty you can't accidentally kill people and the second thing is is every time you kill someone you create a murderer that that, that's the problem with going to war too we send these boys overseas and then they come back murderers of course i mean murderers killers and that's fucked up. That is fucked up. That's a, that's like a that's that's tough, man. That is tough. And no, even if you're a murderer in the good, let's say everyone you killed deserved it. You did the right thing. You still created another murderer, and now you got them in your backyard. Now they live. They're your neighbor. I mean, I'm not. I'm not surprised at all. Like, it, it, you know, you know these stories you hear these Marines or these these guys who do this bad shit. Like, I'm not surprised we we turned them into that, right? Yeah. Okay, so 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 you're in uh, just another sub on tangent. So you're in prison. You ha- you meet some good guards, and 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 they they help facilitate something that you were. If they wouldn't have done that, would you have still pursued CrossFit anyway? Would you have found a way? I think. Or do you think that was pivotal? No, I think that I think that certainly helped with me wanting to become a coach and get into coaching, and then mm-hmm. eventually owning a gym. But I think I knew the very first what I ever did. When I get out, I'm going to join a box. The first thing going, um, I, I think it's helped, like you know, having that program and keeping me focused and on track. But I would have, I would have been a, maybe I'm just going to a gym and I'm just a member somewhere at that point. Do you know any other felons who own CrossFit gyms? Ex felons? What are, what do you call you? How do I label you? How do I judge you, Corey? I mean, I'm, my name's Corey. Um, <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't like all the name tags and stuff. If you want to say. Felon or whatever, fine. I have much better accolades than that. Do you know uh, anyone who's traveled your path who also owns a gym who's ended up in the same spot? I don't know of anyone personally. Um, I I would be willing to bet that there's probably a, a quite a few guys and girls that have been through some shit. Um, but I, I don't know of anyone personally. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. I, I would. I, you have to guess. Well, in the early days, one of the things about CrossFit and still to this day, um, it was huge with the first responder community because everyone knew that general physical preparedness, GPP, was um, essential to surviving your job, right? You didn't want to die because you weren't in shape and CrossFit was the best way to get in shape. Right. And But on the other hand, you have to know that in mental health, it's the same way, right? Like if you're in prison, there's probably nothing better than you could do than do CrossFit. I remember interviewing Dutch Lowy in 2008. He was a CrossFit Games competitor, 2007, I can't remember. And I asked him, I said, why do you do CrossFit? And he says, well, when you don't know what you want to do with your life, there's nothing better to do than CrossFit because when whatever you want to do with your life pops up, you'll be fully ready for it. Yes. 100%. And and that's what you were doing. Did you ever during the during this um, shutdown for the last two years? Did you ever um, think that oh shit, this is 
going to be like, what was the lowest you got? Were you ever like, holy shit, this is going to be over. Not only am I never going to open a second gym, I'm going to lose this gym and I'm going to be like, I'm going to have to get a job with the city, like being a garbage collector or, or become a cop or. I, I met with my, my coaches and this is like whenever, when zoom was sexy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for that, for those three seconds. Yes. For those three seconds. Now, uh, fuck zoom. Fuck zoom. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk in here. Yeah. Shake. but um yeah i remember talking to my staff who all are clients of mine four or five years ago when i first started out they've been with me through my entire journey when i was just a personal trainer at a at a big box gym uh, to starting my boot camps to you know to being affiliates they all became l1 coaches because they believed in me and i had to you know sit and talk to these people and tell them that I didn't think that we were going to come out on the side of financially. We just couldn't afford to pay any bills. Um, and I couldn't keep going without a wage and living, you know, without money. Um, so I, I thought that, Hey, I'm probably gonna, if I start selling equipment, I told them they would be the first people um, that I would contact for that. And you didn't have to do that. You never made it there to that point. Never made it there. Uh, probably right after that moment, um, you know, things, people just wanted to support small businesses, man. Um, there's like a, a movement in the community for a while. It's since, you know, people are kind of fighting about everything now. But for a while, it was a lot of people wanted to help support other, you know, small businesses. And I think I got a little bit of that and, and it certainly helped me out. Yeah, I, I I know that mode you're talking about. Like you're freaking out. I, I I've I've had the talk with my wife. Hey, w- what would we do if X, Y, and Z happened? Are you okay if we move into a van? And my wife's like, Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, good. Like that's all I needed to hear. You know what I mean? Like, oh, reassurance. Oh yeah, yeah. She's cool with it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. And <laughs> and, and, and maybe I was never even close to that. You know. But but if in your head you are, you know. You need a, you, sometimes you need a plan B like, yeah, but I know it's good. I know it's important to keep your eye on the target, but sometimes you need a plan B just to get, just to keep your eye on the target. Even now, Sevy, I, I can't tell you what a plan B looks like. And I know that's yeah. probably not no. an intelligent thing to say. No, I hear you. I believe so much in what I do that I don't see me doing anything else other than building what I have into something even greater and then going out there and, and helping reach other people to teach them that they can believe in themselves outside of fitness. Do you get reinsurance for that belief every day? That's awesome, by the way. I do, man. My my daughter, who will be going to school, she's going to take her test. She's graduating of criminology, but she's moving on going to law school. And my kid tells me all the time how proud she is of me and the, the transformation that I've made in my life. She now looks up to me and is happy to tell people about her, about her dad that owns the CrossFit gym in little tiny York PA, which might not seem like much um, because I'm certainly not rich and famous, but um, to have that from her and, and, you know, all my kids to some degree, but it's the older ones who kind of know a lot more and they're more worldly and, and they appreciate it. Even though I will always feel guilty about all the time I spent away from them, but they just, they appreciate the version that I am right now. And that validates everything I've ever done. Right. And, and transformation 
transformation keeps people's hope alive, right? They see someone yeah. who's transformed and like, and then all of a sudden you're the hope. So real quick, Sevi, please. I used to be shy of talking about my past. I like mm-hmm. carry this heavy weight around. Like, and some people would know little things. Like the first time I ever publicly really talked about my stuff was like your show. And then all these people from all over the place. I don't know how I have friends in fucking Australia right now, but there's, you know, and, and all over Canada and different countries and people that like people that I've met, like in the CrossFit community that somehow people like, hey, man, I love your story. I think that's great. People like a good comeback story, especially if you're genuine and you really are trying to to better yourself and other people. And I get that a lot. Um, not only from my members and clients, people here, but people from all over the place that I've never met before or wouldn't have met. So. I'm, I'm looking up. That's all. Awesome. I'm looking up Corey Allen CrossFit podcast. I'm gonna see like if uh, what pops up. Just seven on podcast 157. That's what we're doing now. How do I? Uh, the seven podcast. Oh, it wasn't the CrossFit podcast that it was on. No, it was. It uh, was this podcast. This, yeah. Holy shit. Man, my brain is mush. You were on episode 11 of this podcast. Yeah. So that's when I first – so that's interesting. That's when I first started to launch this podcast, and then I gave up before I ran into Matt Souza, and Matt Souza stepped on my dick a little bit, kicked me in the ass. He's like, hey, get this thing rolling, buddy. Wow, that is awesome. Okay. So episode 11 of the Sevon podcast, if you want to hear – damn, I should have said that right in the beginning – I'll fuck this all up. Oh, good, <laughs> it's my show. I'll mess it up if I want to. <laughs> um, and and uh, th- so I guess that circles back to my question again. So something that used to maybe be an insecurity is now actually a tool. Yes. It's, it's a strength. It's a strength. It's a because strength. I think people look at me and they say, I can overcome whatever the thing is that's been holding me back. Why am I feeling sorry for myself? Corey went through this. It makes it really easy for me to sit across the table with someone who has been making every excuse why they can't get to a gym and work out. That conversation is really easy now. There's a great story that Greg used to tell. Um, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. What's the guy? He owns a CrossFit gym. Um, He has no arms and no legs. Oh, God. What's his name? Kyle. Kyle. Kyle Maynard. Kyle Maynard. So Greg, so uh, uh, Kyle Maynard went and Greg went to, I think it was a Wounded Warriors meeting or something. And he said Kyle Maynard you know, got up on stage and he looks out across this room just packed full of you know, soldiers who like have lost their arms and their legs and like their faces are burned. He said it was just fucking nuts. Just, just a mess, right? Just all the horrors of war. And he looks out over the crowd and he goes, man, I feel sorry for you guys. And he goes, I was born like this. You guys actually lost your arms and legs. At least I never knew what it was like to have them. And it's like, holy shit, you know, like <laughs> that's a powerful, what a powerful way to grab those dudes' attention. But not everyone can say that. Right. But the guy with no arms and no legs can say that. 
like straight to you. Damn, I feel sorry for you. And these guys still have two arms and one leg. And this is from a guy who has no, and and uh, I just, I, it's um, it's turning your what did you call turning your weakness into a strength? Yeah, yeah, just it's fucking brilliant. I love it. Well, um, I appreciate your. I appreciate your time. I'm so stoked that we circled back after uh, 146 episodes. Um, this is all. This is great. I'm I'm glad that you and Chris Cooper have hooked up. I, I just love the 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 synergy of the world. Um, just stoked. I'm stoked. I know you. Wow. All of a sudden, now your camera looks good. You look good. This is the first time I've been able to like to see your face in an hour and 16 minutes. Yours is up on my end too, Seve. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Imagine a Wi-Fi kicking in. Um, there's. Let me read a couple comments here before we get off. The fact that you were a felon and spent time in prison could be the very reason you are such a good leader. You've seen the lows, so you probably don't sweat the small stuff. Keep rocking it. Um, Colin Lawrence uh, says. All of us know so many people that need CrossFit, but hardly any of us ever get them to an affiliate. Um. Corey, here we'll, we'll give you leave you with this question, uh, Corey, to answer this final question. Uh, Corey Pulido Pulido says, "Where is the gap? Why do you think there aren't more stories like C.T. Fletcher and yourself?" I don't really know C.T. Fletcher's story. What's his story? Oh, C.T. was, I guess, like powerlifting, bodybuilding kind of. So C.T. had he's had like a couple of heart attacks and then a transplant, and then every time he's had one of these surgeries, he has to like come back. And there's like an episode where the first time he's going for a run and he's wearing like a stuff because the doctors tell him he shouldn't, he shouldn't be alive. Basically he shouldn't even live. And then he goes to try to run and falls flat on his face. He's got like blood and all that. Like he's, so he goes around and he, he, he kind of travels and goes to different places and speaks. But then he also has like his iron, like their gym. Um, he, he brings a lot of guys in and that like, bodybuilder powerlifting world and, and he does stuff he has like guests on the show stuff uh, like just a really good motivational guy and like when you hear someone who's had a couple a heart transplant and the doctors told him he'd, he'd probably be dead wait a sec he, when you say heart transplant he has someone else's heart in him yes he has someone else's ticker in him fucking nuts He's nuts awesome. and, and so so what this guy wants to know why do you think there aren't more stories like that like you and him like there's there's thousands of them they just they don't get told right bring crossfit media back (laughs) yeah that is for sure all right brother thank you so much um i will uh schedule you um in another 146 episodes my man bam we're no longer live all right